Welcome to My Favorite Theorem, a math podcast and so much more. I'm Kevin Knudsen, professor of mathematics at the University of Florida. Here is your other host. Hi, I'm Evelyn Lamb. I'm a math and science writer in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I have left the county two times mm. since uh, this all happened. We don't have a car, so when I leave my home, it is either on feet or bicycle, which is your feet moving in a different way. Sure. Um, but I have biked out of our county now and in, into two different other counties. Yeah. Uh, so Fantastic. it's very exciting. Yeah. Um, well, and, I, I, yeah. I, do, I do have a car. Um, I bought gas yesterday for the first time since May 26th, I think. And yesterday was June 30th. Um, yes. And, and I, I, have gotten, I have gotten two haircuts, but it looks like you have gotten none. Uh, yes, that's correct. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably the shaggiest I've been in a while. Uh, my, I normally this time of year is uh, buzz cut city, which I do at home anyway. But sure. I don't know. It just. Well, see, I'm letting mine get a little yeah. longer. Actually, I know I said I got a haircut, but you know, I'm, I'm I, you know, I'm, 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 Ellen likes it longer somehow. So here we go. This is where we are. Yeah. And, and my son's been home for three months, and we haven't killed each other. It's all right. It's Great. Right. Yeah. 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 Everything's everything's doing as well as can be expected i that's suppose right. that's right and if you're listening to this in the future and somehow everything is under control by the time we publish this which seems unlikely yep. um we are recording this during the 2020 uh covid19 pandemic right which right. i guess is now i guess it still stays covid19 even though it's 2020 now well yes represent and the way time has not moved forward the right um, T time has no meaning and and you know florida now is of course becoming a real hot spot and cases are spiking and yeah. uh you know i'm just staying home and and I, I i have four brands of gin so i'm okay yeah Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, let's let's talk math. So we're pleased today to welcome uh, Daniel Litt. Daniel, would you please introduce yourself? Hey, thank you so much. It's really nice to be here. Uh, I'm Daniel Litt. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia. Likewise, in uh, COVID nineteen hotspot. Mm -hmm. um, I will also have not gotten gas, but I think I've beat your record, Kevin. I I haven't gotten gas since the pandemic began. Wow. So yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, I've I've driven maybe the farthest away I've driven from home is about a fifteen minute drive, mm -hmm. but that's those are few and far between. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited to be here and, and talk about math with both of you. Cool. All right. So uh, I mean, the, the, this podcast is well. You actually okay. Let's let's talk about you first. So you uh, you you just moved to Athens, correct? I started uh, a year ago. A year ago, okay. So, you just bought your yeah. house. That's so I've been there okay. for a while. Right. That's right. Yeah. So I actually live in uh, Northeast Atlanta because my wife works at the CDC. Oh. Uh, which is a, a oh, pretty wow. cool place to work right now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Is, is yeah. she an epidemiologist yeah. or? Uh... Uh, she uh, does evaluation science. Uh -huh. So at least part of what she was doing uh, was was uh, seeing how the CDC's interventions and deployers like how effective they were being. Oh, okay. And, and helping to understand that. Very cool. Yeah. That that, well, now yeah. now would be an interesting time to work there. Now, I mean, I'm sure it's always interesting, sure. but, uh, but especially yeah. now, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. All right, so this is this podcast is called My Favorite Theorem, and and you've told us what it is, but we can't wait for you to tell our listeners. Uh, so so, what is your favorite theorem? Yeah, so my my favorite theorem uh, is Dirichlet's theorem on primes and arithmetic progressions. So maybe let me explain what that says. Please do. So yes. prime that would be great. Yeah. 
Yeah, so so a prime number is a, a, a positive integer, like 1, 2, 3, 4, etc., which is only divisible by 1 and by itself. So 2 is a prime, 3 is a prime, 5 is a prime, 7, 11, etc. Uh, 12 is not a prime because it's 3 times 4. Sure. Um, and, and part of what Dirichlet's theorem on primes in arithmetic regressions tries to answer, like part of the question it tries to answer, is how are primes distributed. So uh, there's a general principle in mathematics that says that if you have a bunch of objects, they're usually distributed in as random a way as possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dirichlet's theorem is one way of capturing that for primes. So it says if you look at an arithmetic regression, so that's like 2, 5, 8, 11, 14, etc. So there I started at 2 and I increased by 3 every time. Mm -hmm. uh, another example would be 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, etc. So there I started by 3 and increased by 3 every time. So Dirichlet's theorem it says that if you have one of those arithmetic regressions and it's possible for infinitely many primes to show up in it, then they do. So let me give you an example. Okay. So so for 3, 6, 9, 12, etc., all of those numbers are divisible by 3. So it's only possible for one uh, one prime to show up there, namely 3. So, right. Right. But if you have an arithmetic progression, so a bunch of numbers which differ by all the same amount, and they're not all divisible by some single number, then Dirichlet's theorem tells you that there are infinitely many primes in that sequence. So for example, in the sequence 2, 5, 8, 11, etc., there's infinitely many primes, 5 and 11 being the first two. Um, and it tells you something about the distribution of those primes, which maybe I won't get into. But uh, just their bare existence is really an, an amazing theorem and an uh, incredible feat mm -hmm. of, of mathematics. So so this theorem, I guess for, for some of our listeners and for me, it probably sort of reminds them in some ways of like twin primes or something, these other questions about distributions of primes. Of course, twin primes, you don't need a whole arithmetic progression. You just need two of them. Um, yeah. That would be primes that are separated by two, which other than two and three is the smallest gap that primes can have. Um, and... Of course, twin primes is not solved yet, um, and Dirichlet's... Yeah, we don't know that there are infinitely many twin yeah, primes. So. I, people yeah, people think there are, but, you know, who knows? We might have found the last one already. Um, <laughs> I guess that's <laughs> unlikely. Um, but the but Dirichlet, you know, was... This was proved a long time ago. So can you give me a sense for why this is a lot easier than twin primes? Yeah, so so part of the reason I think is that that the um, that twin primes are much sparser, uh, so so just to, uh, than primes in any given arithmetic progression. So so just to give you an example, if you have a bunch of numbers, one way of measuring how big they are is you could take the sum of one over those numbers, right? So so for example, the sum of one over n, where n ranges over all positive integers, diverges. That sum goes to infinity. Um, and the same is actually true for the primes in any fixed arithmetic progression. So if you take all the primes right. in the sequence 2, 5, 8, 11, et cetera, and take the sum of one over them, that, that goes to infinity. It says there's a lot of them. Um, on the other hand, we know that if you do the same thing for twin primes, that sum converges to a finite number. And that number is pretty small, actually. Like we, we know up to quite a lot of accuracy what it looks like. Um, and that, that already tells you that um, uh, they're sort of hard to find. And if you have things that are hard to find, it's going to be harder to show that there are infinitely many of them. So wait, I, I mentioned this, this sort of sum of reciprocals point of view because it's actually like crucial to the way Dirichlet's theorem is proven. Um, mm -hmm. So when you prove Dirichlet's theorem, it's, it's one of the, these really amazing examples where you have a theorem that's about pure algebra and you, um, you end up proving it using analysis. So in this case, the mm -hmm. theory of Dirichlet L functions. Mm -hmm. 
um, and and understanding that uh, sum of reciprocals is is kind of key to understanding the uh, analytic behavior of some of these L functions, or at least is very closely related. So wait, okay. I, didn't, I didn't know that result about the reciprocals of the twin primes converges. Yeah. So even though we don't know that there are infinitely many, um, yeah. somehow- Well, I mean, in fact, yeah. if there are finally many, then definitely- well, Right, yeah, 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 sure, converge, yeah, yeah, right. right. That's, yeah. And we even know an estimate of what the answer is. Okay. Yeah. That's, so that's fascinating. What you have to do right. to prove that is yeah. show that these primes are sufficiently sparse. Sure. Right. Sure. And then and then you win. So for okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So once again, I'm so I am super not a number theorist. So I'm just gonna like bumble right. my way in here. <laughs> um, but to me, if I'm trying to show that like something diverges, I show that like it's sort of like one over n, and if it converges, mm -hmm. it's like sort of like one over n squared or or worse or better or whatever, <laughs> however you want to morally yeah. weight these things. Right. Um, so I guess I could imagine it not being that hard to show that twin primes are sort of bounded by n squared or, or, or like bounded by one over n squared, the reciprocals of that. Would that be a way to do this or is, am I totally- Yeah, so some, it's something like that. You want to okay. show they're very spread out. Yeah, with, with primes though, I do want to mention, so you mentioned like you want to say it's something like between one over n or one over n squared. So primes are much, much rarer than integers, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really somewhere between those two. Yeah. So under, for example, understanding the growth rate of those numbers is, is the growth rate of the primes and the growth rate of the primes in a given arithmetic progression is pretty hard. Like that's the prime number theorem, mm -hmm. which right. is like one of the biggest accomplishments of 19th century mathematics. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. Does that help you solve, prove that though? Maybe it does, right? Maybe not. So proving that the sum of the reciprocals of the primes diverge is much, much easier than the prime number theorem. Yeah. Um, there's, you can prove that in like a page or a page and a half okay. or something. Right. Um, but it's it's very closely related to the key input of the prime number theorem, which is that the Riemann zeta function, like the, mm -hmm. the subject of the Riemann hypothesis, mm -hmm. has a pole at s equals one. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So so what, 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 what compels this? What, what's so compelling about this theorem for you? Yeah, so so um, what I love about it is that it's it's maybe one of the earliest places, aside from the prime number theorem itself, where you see some really deep interactions between algebra and complex analysis. Mm -hmm. So the tools you bring in are, are these um, these Dirichlet L functions, which are kind of generalizations of the Riemann zeta function, and they're really mysterious and awesome objects. Uh, but but for me, what I find really exciting about it is, is that it's like sort of it's like the the classic oldie. And then people have been uh, kind of remaking it over and over again for the last like century. Mm -hmm. So there's now tons of different versions of the of Dirichlet's theorem on primes in, in arithmetic progressions in all kinds of different settings. So there's an example for uh, in geometry. So if you have uh, Riemannian manifold, which is kind of a manifold with a notion of distance on it, right. uh, there's a version of the Dirichlet's theorem uh, for loops in a Riemannian manifold. Uh, the first cases of which are maybe due to Peter Sarnak and his thesis. There's versions for uh, over over function fields. So I, I'm not going to be precise about what that means, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. if you have some kind of geometric object that's kind of like the integers, uh, you can understand it well and, and, and understand uh, the behavior of primes in that kind of object mm -hmm. um, and how they how they behave uh, in something analogous to an arithmetic regression. There's something called the Chebotarov density theorem which tells you if you have a polynomial and you take the remainder of that polynomial when you divide by a prime, mm -hmm. how, do it, how do it, does its factorization behave as you vary the prime? Mm -hmm. um, 
so there's all kinds of versions of it and it's like a really exciting and cool uh sort of theme in mathematics mm-hmm. so kind of getting back to the the more tangible number theory thing which sure. i guess it's kind of funny that we think of numbers as more tangible when they're sort of the first example of an incredibly abstract uh, concept. But anyway, we'll pretend numbers are tangible. Um, So how does this relate? I remember, and I don't even remember now, I must have been writing some article that related to this, but like looking at, you know, primes that are, you know, one more than a multiple of six versus one less and looking at whether there are more or fewer of these. So these are two different arithmetic progressions. The one sure. w- that's like, you know, seven, 13. Let's see if I could add by six, 19. This, that progression yeah. versus the uh, five, uh, 11, et cetera, progression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this related to like looking at whether there are more of the ones that are one more or one less or things like that? Oh, I for sure. I feel like there are all these interesting results about like, you know, yeah, like which one, these biases in the distributions of. Yeah. So people call this like prime number races. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, like, so what you might do is you might take two different arithmetic progressions and ask like, are there more prime numbers, like less than a billion, say? in one of those progressions as opposed to the other. And there's actually like pretty surprising properties of those races that I think are not totally well understood. So so like even even there's recent work of uh, Kanan Sandarajan and Robert Lemke Oliver on this kind of thing, which maybe oh, that's, that's what, what I was writing. writing that's why I, yeah, yeah, I wrote about yeah, so that. There's that's some sort of surprising biases. Um, and I mean, so that's the reason people think those are cool is, is exactly this principle I mentioned before that like this general principle in math that things should be as random as they can be. And there's maybe some ways in which our random models of the primes are not always totally accurate. And so understanding the ways in which they're inaccurate and and like uh, and like how to fix that inaccuracy, like how to come up with a better model of the primes mm-hmm. is like a really big part of modern number theory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess with I guess the Dirichlet theorem is what you need before you start looking at any of these other things is you just you need to know that you can even look at these sequences. Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, yeah, how do you study the statistics of a, a sequence you don't know is infinite? Yeah. Mm. Right. It right. can't be that in- interesting. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... One thing I'll, I'll mention is, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't want to say one more. I and mean, so one cool thing about this is it lets you, um, it's not just like an abstract existence result. Like sometimes, like you just need a prime, which is like 7 mod 23 like to do some mathematical computation. Mm-hmm. Okay, and if it's seven mod 23, then it's pretty easy to find one, you can take seven. Uh, but if you need a prime that's like A mod B, or mm-hmm. this remainder upon division by B is A, like it's sort of hard to make one in general. And the fact that Dirichlet's theorem gives them to you is actually really useful. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. at least for a mathematician who cares about primes, like it's something that just comes up a lot in daily life. Mm-hmm. But it's not constructive though. I mean, like, you know, sort of- Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, right. Okay. Anyway, uh, it does kind of guarantee that there will be one bigger, less than some yeah. explicit constant. Right. So in some sense, it's it's constructive, but not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't like hand one to you on the player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But still, I guess a lot of the time you probably don't actually need a particular one. You just kind of need to know no. that there is yeah. one. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and where did you first encounter this theorem? Uh, I guess it was when I was, I was probably reading uh, Apostles Number Theory book when I was in college, but I think for me, I didn't really grok it until some other like more modern 
version of it like one of these remakes showed up for me in, in my own work so um so i i wanted to uh make a certain construction of uh of a uh, uh, algebraic curve so that's some kind of uh geometric object defined by some polynomial equations which had some special properties and it turned out that for me the easiest way to do that was uh to use some version of Dirichlet's theorem and and in some kind of geometric context hmm. very cool yeah. Yeah. So that was really exciting. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's it's nice when the when like you say when the oldies you know come up on your jukebox and they're 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 useful. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So another fun thing about this podcast is that uh, we we ask our guests to pair their theorem with something, and I, I mean I think Evelyn and I are just dying to know what pairs well with uh, Dirichlet's theorem on primes and arithmetic progressions. So, so for me, it's it's the the Arthur Conan Doyle stories about Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Um, so for a couple of different reasons. So so first of all, because he's all about making connections between these sort of seemingly unrelated things. Sure. Just like Dirichlet's theorem is about making connections between somehow, or the proof is about connecting these things in algebra primes mm -hmm. to things in complex analysis, so the, like these L functions. But then also because it's an oldie that's been remade over and over again, mm -hmm. it's still constantly. Mm -hmm being remade like with the new uh bbc sherlock show oh it's so. the best yeah. <laughs> yeah i remember that was coming out we, you know my, my wife and i were just so excited every time a new season would come out you know just sherlock yes yeah and just like <laughs> i'm excited every time a new version of dirichlet's theorem on primes and arithmetic progression comes out <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i i haven't watched any of the sherlock tv or movies yet but we you know, oh. we're watching a little more TV these days, and that might be a good one for us to go. It is. Uh, look at yeah, it. it is so good. Uh, uh, I mean, the first, the is first that the episode. One with Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch. Yeah, okay. the, the first, yeah. the first one just. I mean, it just grabs you. you. You can't, you can't not watch it after that. It's really, really well done. So yeah, they're really fun. Although yeah. I will say that. Although the, I mean, not. Oh, go on. I was sorry. gonna say the last one, like the very last episode, I thought was a bit much. Like it was. I don't know that I watched the last season. Yeah, it was. But, it was. It was a little. Yeah, but you know, still good. I, I was rereading re a couple of the old short stories mm -hmm. uh, in preparation for this podcast. Okay, so I, those are also I highly recommend. Well, which ones did you read? Uh, my my favorite one that I re read recently was the. Uh, the, I think it's called the Adventure of the Speckled Band. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it's one of the classics. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, yeah, and I think, I think, cool. I think they based one of the episodes on that one too. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so I started reading, I, I haven't read all of the Sherlock Holmes. It seems like there are uh, practically infinitely many of them. Sure. Um, but I, you know, I had this collection on my nook and we were moving. So it was like light. I could, uh, you know, read it in the hotel room easily and stuff. And as we were moving to Utah, I think the very first Sherlock Holmes one is set in Utah or like part of it is set in Utah. There's this like, yeah, maybe the sign of four or something. Yes. Or, yes. The sign yeah. Of yeah. Four. So it's, I think it's, it's one of the, it's one of the first two novellas, I think. Yeah. So I've read every single Sherlock Holmes when I was, uh, when I was in high school or something. Okay. Yeah. yeah but I was yeah. just like, of all things, I just, I didn't know, I hadn't ever read any Sherlock Holmes before. And like uh, this you know, British guy writing about this British detective and like it's in 
it's set in the the state I'm about to move to. Mm. Um, it just oh, yeah. seemed in, incredibly improbable to me. Uh, yeah, so. no, it's really, he, I guess he had some kind of fascination with the U.S. because there's that one, which is, is sort of set in Utah and the, like, as it was being settled, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, the case of the five orange pips or something, which is, uh, which actually time in a timely way kind of crucially involves the KKK. Um mm. And so, yeah, so there's a lot of sort of interesting interactions with uh, American history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh, I don't I don't remember if I've read The Orange Pips. I'll have to. Yeah. That figures that in the TV series, too. OK. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good. I kind of forgot about those. Those might be a fun thing to go back to since they, they're always unlike you. I, I have not read all of them and there always seem to be more that I could kind of dive into i think i i kind of tried to read too many at one time and i just got fed up with what a jerk he is <laughs> yeah <laughs> like a right. self-righteous like smug guy sure yeah <laughs> so, sure oh yeah definitely yeah. yeah which doesn't make it's not not entertaining mm. but <laughs> yeah if, if you like this stuff there's a this is another thing i was thinking of pairing um pairing with uh with the theorems, there's a novel by Michael Chabon about a sort of very elderly Sherlock Holmes, um, which uh, I don't quite remember the name, but it, it's it, part of it is about, you know, what it's like to be Sherlock Holmes when you're 90 and like, you know, mm. all your friends have left you. And so maybe that mm. might might okay. appeal to you if that, you find yeah. him to be a I, sort of annoying character. Could that be the Giddish Policeman's Union? I don't or... think so. Okay. Um, yeah. it's, it's a much shorter book. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like something he would write. That's the title though. I could remember, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that um, one is also excellent. It just doesn't have uh, Sherlock Holmes in it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, when you were talking earlier about the theorem, you used the word. I, I think you you used the word remake or sequel or something. So I was wondering oh, yeah. if you were gonna like pick movies or you know mm-hmm. something like that for your pairing. But this kind of works too because each one it it's not a not remakes exactly. I guess the the movies there are remakes uh, movies and TVs TV shows, but. Uh, the stories are all like some new sequel to like, here's a slightly different adventure that Sherlock goes on and slightly different clues that he finds. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's one thing that I I love about like math in general is that like so much of it is you, you look at something classic and then you put a a little spin on it. Like I I do a little exercise with some of the grad students at UGA uh, in one of our seminars where we take a a classic theorem. um, I think most recently, we did Maschke's theorem, which is something about representation theory. And when you highlight every word in the theorem that you could change, um, and then kind of come up with conjectures based on changing some of those words, or mm. questions based on changing some of those words. Mm. And that's a really fun exercise in kind of mathematical remakes. Mm-hmm. That, that does sound fun. Idea. And I mean, I, I think that's one of the things that you learn, especially in grad school, um, is just how to start looking at statements of theorems and stuff and seeing where might there be some wiggle room here or where could I sub out a different space or a different, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. set of assumptions about a function or something and get something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and yeah, it's, um, yeah. I mean, with Dershowitz theorem that happens so many times and it's just so, it's so cool. Yeah. Well, that's very fun. Thanks for uh, bringing that one up. I'm Thinking about it, I'm a little surprised that we haven't had it already on the podcast. Yeah. yeah it's classic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So we also like to give our guests a chance to plug anything that they're working on or uh, you, you're, you're very on Twitter. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You can you can follow me at uh, litmath l i t t m a t h yeah. if you want. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So what do I want to plug? I think uh, aside from Sherlock Holmes, who maybe needs no plugging. Sure. Um, uh, first of all, I, I would uh, like to plug the Ava DuVernay documentary Thirteenth, which I, I really liked, mm. and and I think everyone should should watch. Yeah, and uh, I saw that's free things. on YouTube right now. Uh, I don't know if that's. Yeah temporarily but i like yeah, i'm not a netflix not subscriber but yeah yeah it is on netflix and yeah mm -hmm. I, I don't know if it'll be available on youtube but for free by the time this camp comes out but probably uh you know at a, a nominal cost yeah. um in terms of things i've done that i think people who listen to this podcast might like uh so i did a number file video uh about a year ago mm -hmm. on uh the, the on one of hilbert's problems about uh cutting up po po polyhedra and rearranging them mm -hmm. and i think that's Ooh, something fun, fun that, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, that someone might, uh, someone who likes this podcast might enjoy. Sure. So if you Google number file, the Dane invariant, that'll come up. Oh, great. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll put links to those in the show notes. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks so for joining thank us. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot of fun. This was a really, uh, I, I learned something. I, I learn something every time, but uh, but I'm always surprised at what I'm going to learn. So this, is, this has been great. Uh -huh. Yeah. All right. Thanks, cool. Daniel. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to My Favorite Theorem, hosted by Kevin Knudsen and Evelyn Lee. The music you're hearing is a piece called Fractalia, a percussion quartet performed by four high school students from Gainesville, Florida. They are Blake Crawford, Gus Knudsen, Del Mitchell, and Bao Chan Wen. You can find more information about the mathematicians and theorems featured in this podcast, along with other delightful mathematical treats, at Kevin's website, kpknudsen.com, and Evelyn's blog, Roots of Unity, on the Scientific American Blog Network. We love to hear from our listeners, so please drop us a line at myfavoritetheorem at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Kevin's handle on Twitter is at nivicnozdunk, that's Kevin spelled backwards followed by Knudsen spelled backwards, and Evelyn's is at Evelyn J. Lamb. The show itself also has a Twitter feed. The handle is M-Y-F-A-V-E-T-H-M, that's at myfavoritetheorem. Join us next time to learn another fascinating piece of mathematics.